Hi, Nora. Hey, Sandy. Guess what? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what's what. We have a new website. <laughs> yes, we have a new website. And oh, I feel yes. Like we should tell people this. I know that most of the people who listen to this podcast hopefully already know about this, but in case they don't, we have a brand spanking new website. It is sandyandnora.com. That is where you can find us now on the web. You can still also find us on Google Play, on iTunes, on all sorts of platforms. And we did set up a Patreon account, which you can find on our website as well, uh, where if you feel like supporting us, you can do so in a pay-what-you-can basis. Totally. And and shout out to everyone that gave us a dollar a month. I was just, I love that. I really do too. It's really great. Yeah, no, just shout out to everybody for supporting us because we got a lot of mm-hmm. really good feedback this week and we really do appreciate it. And, you know, if you folks have any ideas or anything that you want to let us know um, or questions about the show, let us know. Mm-hmm. And we'll, you know, this is, let's make this interactive. Let's try to talk to each other. But okay, today, this week, we are going to be talking about... Dougie Ford. Everybody's favorite Doug. <laughs> my favorite Doug is Doug McKenzie. Oh, my favorite Doug is a cartoon character. Oh. Uh, Tell the people what happened, Nora. Okay. So, uh, sorry, do you want the like the Nora version or like the CBC version? Ooh, let's get the Nora version. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool, cool. So, like, everybody's favorite drug dealer managed to, like... <laughs> totally trick everybody and um beat out four chicks who like may have been qualified but it doesn't matter because it's politics and it's it's amazing this is me too ontario's first victory is dougie ford yeah the <laughs> me too movement takes out patrick brown decides on dougie yeah and 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 it's amazing because Doug's aesthetic, like let's let's we might as well talk about his aesthetic first because his politics are so shit um, that that's a very depressing conversation. But his aesthetic, like open shirt, gold chain, grade fucking nine, Dougie Ford. If you watch the agenda, all of the guys they talked to from the Ford camp looked like that. Yeah, the overuse of hair gel. I oof, tell them what happened, Nora. Oh my god. The Ontario Progressive Conservative Party, uh, are, like rest in peace, they just elected uh, their new leader. And the un- the Conservatives have a very sophisticated way of electing a leader. And the first round uh, that's weighted among all of the ridings. And so every riding, regardless of how many members you have in it, they vote. And then the proportion of how people voted in that riding gets uh, put into a point system. And the point system gets put towards each of the candidates. Christine Elliott, who is the wife of uh, Jim Flaherty, who is the finance minister under, uh, what's his name, that puppet guy, uh, Stephen Harper. Uh, And of course, Christine Elliott has had had quite an illustrious political career for herself as well. She came in first, but she did not hit the number of votes required to win a clear majority. And so 
The first round of balloting ended when anal sex lady, uh, what, uh, what's her actual name? Um, Tanya Granick <laughs> Allen for uh, talking about how anal sex was being taught in schools with the new sex ed curriculum, which was obviously outrageous and a weird strategy. But continue. <laughs> Thank you. So she she was the last on the ballot. Her name dropped off. Uh, they reran balloting, whether it was people voting in advance with a ranked ballot or on the floor. I don't know. And then the second ballot was still not very close. But then you started to see Doug pull ahead because, of course, anal sex ladies votes went directly to Ford. And then the and then Caroline Mulroney was the last on the ballot. Third round of balloting. She falls off the ballot. And it's between. Uh, Ford and Elliot and uh, Mulroney's vote is interesting because it's it, it, it majority goes to Elliot but the number of of Mulroney supporters that went to Ford which I saw the, the graph very quickly last night I want to say it's around 20 percent might be just a bit higher than 20 percent they went to Ford and that was enough to give Ford the victory over Elliot so that's what happened but you know before that happened there was like an uh, entire shit show <laughs> them not being able to release the results because they are challenged by Christine Elliott and her team so we'll see where mm-hmm. that goes but I'm going to predict that he remains uh, the leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario I've made a prediction that was wildly off base oh what was your prediction I put it on your Facebook wall you predicted that there was no way that Doug Ford would ever be elected and in that I said my money's on Mulrooney so we were both very wrong (laughs) one thing that I do want to talk about is that I've been seeing a lot of people who I'm connected with posting online on social media that it doesn't matter that Doug Ford won whether it was Doug Ford Patrick Brown um, or anyone else the progressive conservative uh, party was always going to have a shitty platform and so why would we freak out about this or think this is bad or blah 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 right and to that i say interesting point like yes there there is a policy book that they are gonna have to follow and so on but what this does that is very important that people should be aware of is that it is going to change the type of rhetoric that we see in the election and the type of rhetoric that he will use in in a province-wide race during an election is going to push everything to the right. So so what this does is when if when the election happens, he will be bringing up things that he did bring up in the leadership campaign like uh, people's access to abortion. And what that is going to do is it's going to legitimize people Uh, who are trying to restrict other people from having domain over their bodies, the right to choose uh, from there. It's going to it's going to increase the legitimacy they have. It's going to inspire their organizing. It's going to assist in their organizing and it's going to push all the rhetoric in the election to the right. One of those issues may now very well be abortion. And that's going to take up a lot of time in the discussions. And that What that does to the province generally during the heightened time of an election when the news media is going to be focused on all of the things that these politicians are saying is very, very detrimental. Yeah. And and also that, uh, you know, I'm not really interested in listening to a six week election campaign 
where a guy is talking about abortion uh, and it's the kind of guy who you imagine is trying to give you 50 bucks to go get an abortion really quickly so that no one finds out that you're pregnant. <laughs> God. <laughs> I just find him such an odious uh, figure in so many ways. I think what you're saying, though, is really important that the, the the real question that a lot of progressives and I've seen also people asking these questions as well in my in my no, my networks, my social media feeds is what does this mean for the left? And I I actually think it's quite obvious what it means for the left. And one of the ways that I'm thinking about it is it's like, what would the corollary be to Doug Ford on the left? Mm-hmm. And I suspect that we wouldn't really be able to come up with an example. And and that's because we're, we're just so we the left and, and like, fuck, I don't live in Ontario anymore. So like, good fucking luck. But uh, the left, it's like, who who is the left version of Doug Ford? Can we put his candidacy into leftist terms to understand the destabilizing, uh, chaotic um radical politic that he's going to put forward and and like the conservative party is not the ndp the conservative party is very talented at how it uses its extreme right to create space to make some of their worst policy ideas palatable like we could talk about what this is going to do to the conservative party which i actually think is is an interesting discussion as well this is going to probably tear the conservative party apart uh, the fact that Christine Elliott won the popular vote shows that, you know, that there people do prefer her over him. But um, but as I said at the start, that this is a voting system that shows a bit of a consensus candidate. And this was my line during the federal conservative race where I I, I kind of got the sense that Andrew Scheer was going to win the whole time, uh, only because I had been to the debate in Quebec City and I had been watching it really closely and I know enough about how that system works that, you know, you get a lot of new members in Alberta, you're not going to win the election, which is what happened with Maxime Bernier. But Ford uh, did manage to get enough of the support of progressive conservatives across Ontario. Uh, We've already seen an extreme, quote unquote, extreme conservative at the head of that party, and his name is Tim Hudak, and he did not last. And so what I'm wondering on one side, what's going to happen to the Conservative Party? I don't know if we need to talk about that right now, because the more interesting question perhaps for us is, uh, what does this mean for the left? Doug Ford is as if, I, I don't know, like someone like John Clark from OCAP winning the head of the NDP. <laughs> like, who 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 is the example in the NDP? And And we know how controlled the NDP is. Like, someone that far to the center of the NDP to the left getting elected for the NDP is unthinkable within, you know, from the conservative party perspective that someone is far away from the center of the conservative party getting elected. And it's, I think it's important to ask why, like, why does that not exist? And I think, you know, when we see the type of response that the NDP did give, it's like, oh, we really, really, really need um, so like a principled, left, uh, you know, if, if we're going with an electoral option for, for some of the strategies that we have, we're, we need a principled left and a bold left and a courageous left, that which is what we've talked about multiple times on this show. And sending out a tweet congratulating Doug Ford on a hard-fought campaign or whatever it was is not, is not going to do it. So when you have a a situation where we have a really unpopular premier in Kathleen Wynne, who's uh, the liberal premier right now, and we have a um, 
interestingly in terms of popularity an interesting figure in Doug Ford uh, who may not have the full support and backing of his party but has uh, a name brand is very interested in polarizing politics and is very interested in pulling things to the right and then you have like a um, like a, a milk toast party on the supposed left it's it doesn't bode well so for folks who are saying that this will do nothing it doesn't do nothing but uh, the question that Nora is asking which is like what does this mean for the left it's like there is time right now to to change up strategies to oh Nora <laughs> the stakes are so high and this is what I'm concerned about I don't think that people think about it as as high as the stakes are it's actually about life and death and so it's it's very crucial that people understand that this is not just you know just some sort of oh haha a trumpian type of person got elected in ontario and it doesn't matter that's not the truth um, who mm. gets elected, you know, is not going to be, you know, I'm not naive. This is not like some sort of, you know, where it's going to bring us closer to the revolution or blah, blah, blah. That's not the, 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 what we're talking about, but it is the difference between life and death for many communities. So we, what we need is a strong principled left-wing party that is going to offer an actual challenge to two parties who are on the right. Those two parties being the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party. What I'm most concerned about is uh, the message that Andrea Horvath was uh, was carrying during the uh, campaign to elect the next leader was very indicative, I thought, of how she or how the party is approaching the other parties, which is the NDP is the least worst option. Which is a message that like no one likes and that I don't care how the fuck it polls. It's a shit message. Um, and now I don't know. I don't know if this comes from her directly. I don't know if this is her team. I don't know if this is something they can even fix. But when you have someone like Doug Ford, who is going to be like the guy is chaotic, bad, chaotic, chaotic evil, right? Like that his his impact, you know, you talked about choice. That's obviously a big concern. But his impact on, oh, I don't know, the job market, universities, public education, uh, anal sex, uh, <laughs> it's going to be bad. Number one issue of the election. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. And, and so um, the the question for progressives, like, I, I have been thinking about this. Obviously, I watched the press conference last night where he announced that, you know, where he accepted uh, his victory and where he thanked the guy upstairs, not God, but Rob. <laughs> Oh, that was weird. Um, so weird. <laughs> also, he was slurring his words, wasn't oh, he? Oh, he was slurring like, his you... words. He sounds like a complete fool. Like, you know, you can make fun of the guy. And we, like, hell, I started off making fun of the way he looks, right? Like, mm-hmm. he he doesn't sound like a politician. But I don't think Doug is charismatic. I think that, you know, we needed Rob Ford to be dead for a couple of years to find Doug Ford interesting because certainly when the two were alive Doug was like the less talented brother and uh, now that Rob's been dead for a couple of years and we kind of all just have our own memories of how ridiculously funny and chaotic that period of time was uh, Doug has been able to emerge as someone who has I don't know some credibility for some reason but uh, the guy is audacious the guy doesn't give a rat's ass about sounding like he's smart and he has uh, a vision, which I think that we don't really know. Like, 
part of me wants to go back through all of his council votes in Toronto and see how, like, what he's been voting on and stuff. Mm. Or is he even on Toronto Council right now? Like, I don't even know what the fuck. <laughs> now that I've said that, I don't even know if he's on Toronto Council right now. Yeah, he. I mean, he was planning to run for mayor was the big rumors. But. Yeah. So thankfully, you know, that's not, you know, there's no danger there. That's good. <laughs> no, right. And so, like, but he, so the guy's, so the guy's a fool and all this kind of stuff. And you can make fun of him and whatever. But, but the the real question is, what does he stand for? And from the, the perspective of the left, are you going to go after uh, the rhetoric that he's using that you think might capture people like tax cuts or whatever? Or are you going to push forward a progressive agenda? What gets difficult is that, you know, you can imagine a debate where you're talking about research funding in universities and Doug Ford's like, yeah, we, uh, we, we need uh, we need more money for roads. Like, it's that, it's just not possible to debate the guy. And that's where charisma and organizing comes into play because behind Doug Ford's image was actually a very excellent ground game where they were calling people, they were mobilizing, and they were organizing, and they clearly out-organized the other three candidates. And I don't know to what extent uh, progressives know about the ground game of the Fords, but I think it's it's there that you see the potential victory or potential defeat of the next government. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's a really important point. And the other important point about a ground game is that I don't know that all the progressives out there understand how much grassroots organizations have power over Mm -hmm. what is going to be said in an election. I think there's been a trend uh, over some years to, uh, you know, from some progressive organizations to just avoid discussing an election or to avoid uh, any sort of involvement in the politic of an election. Uh, I think that this is folly for all sorts of reasons, and maybe we should have a whole other show on that. But, um, you know, it's been interesting. I, I do a lot of organizing with people who are in the States, and it's been interesting watching that that have a major shift in the States in the last couple of years where um, radical grassroots organizations are, are now uh, really concerned about electoral justice. Uh, in any case, my point here is, there's a ground game to be played by folks on the left who are a part of grassroots organizations. And um, in the same way that Doug uh, being elected has the power and legitimacy to force conversations on things like abortion or taxes or jobs or whatever else, what have you, that he's going to, to force conversations on, people in grassroots organizations have an ability to force conversation on whatever they want. Uh, take it from me, organizing through a Black Lives Matter, we've been able to force conversations on things that nobody would even consider talking about or um, or reporting on, mm-hmm. you know, not not least of which is quite recently forcing federal uh, politicians to discuss uh, issues of deportation and uh, with um, former child refugees who uh, were wards of the state who the government neglected to apply for citizenship for. This is what, you know, perhaps a few months ago, journalists, uh, politicians would have said was a niche issue that does not require any sort of comment. But now we have uh, several politicians being forced to comment on this issue, uh, several organizations forced to comment on this issues, and that's um, the power Mm -hmm. of a ground game. During an election, the ground game is heightened because 
all the media wants to do is talk to politicians about what their stance is on this, mm -hmm. that, or the other. And so if you're looking for a quick way to do some mass public education, um, an election is a unique opportunity. And so you know, if you're concerned, and you should be concerned, about um, the ability of the, or, or about the uh, potential eventuality of the entire province moving to the right because of this election, and you're an organizer, um, it's time to start preparing for how you can push the rhetoric to the left or towards justice or however we want to frame it. How do progressives, and I mean progressives who are not necessarily aligned with a political party, navigate what I expect will be the big message, which is the strategic voting, vote the liberals to block Doug Ford. How, how do they how do they get through that messaging? I just I just feel like that's such a red herring issue. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. But I've seen it everywhere. <laughs> it's just like, who cares? Like, let's start like you have to just focus on the issues because the, the what and what an election does is not provide an opportunity to fix all of the issues of injustice but what it it does do is provide an opportunity to uh, increase knowledge about a particular issue to uh, push people to making a decision on issues that they perhaps didn't know anything about before it's an opportunity to uh to organize quite frankly mm -hmm. and if, if you're going to use an, an opportunity like that, such a massive opportunity like that to like talk about strategic voting, like, oh, God, how boring. Like <laughs> there's it's just like, who cares? You know what I mean? It's never going to be good. Like, look at the options. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's going to be bad. <laughs> so like just, you know, you might as well use use the opportunity that we have um, to organize, shift culture around uh, particular um, uh, issues that are major mm -hmm. issues of the day. And so for me, I don't know. I don't know what you think. But for me, like the strategic voting conversation isn't even a conversation for me. Like I don't like why would I talk? Why would I waste air on that? Right. Well, what do I'm you th think? Do you have any air to waste? Yeah, I do, because I, I think that in some parts of the province where it seems like it's a two-way race instead of a th three-way three race, uh, you are dealing with people whose initial reaction is, well, the liberals aren't that bad, and they're certainly better than Doug Ford. Uh, and so I guess the question is more, who are we talking to right now? Because if I'm talking to someone who's average, looking for an argument outside of the strategic voting thing, it's like, as you say... You organize. Strategic voting is a is a distraction, and you pour as much time and energy into the movements in your community that you think will carry a candidate forward. I think that's it's it's actually it's easy to say, and and honest to God, it's not that hard to do either if you have the right issue and you've got the right level of organizing. Mm -hmm. But but then the other side of it though is it's like okay, so what does the NDP need to do between now and June to get its shit together and to potentially win? And is that even a possibility? Or should we be more thinking about how do we exploit, how do progressives exploit the moment to make certain things possible? And I, I'm interested, I think we can talk about both. What, what do you and I think the NDP should do? It might be, might be interesting because I don't know if the entire caucus of the NDP listens to us, but maybe they do and maybe we'll fucking change the world. I don't know. But <laughs> on the question 
about I don't think they like you very much. I don't I know. Well, what the fuck? Fuck them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but on the question of of like what's the strategic way forward? I I actually think Doug offers a very interesting set of options so the first option is obvious in my mind it's labor and labor needs to get militant and target the fuck out of the conservatives and ignore to some extent the ndp and the liberals uh just just try to expose the holes within the conservative platform right because we don't actually know what doug's going to run on yet if he runs on his own personal platform that would be quite different than the platform that has been established already for the conservatives so that's one thing. But the second thing, and, and this might be more interesting for you and I to talk about it. I mean, in debates, in debates, they were saying that they have to run on this this platform that's been created already. So I don't know how true that's going to be in the end. But during the debates, at least one of the debates that I watched for the conservative leadership, they were saying that they had to stick to this book. Yeah. And, been created. and Doug, like, fucking probably rolled the book into a fucking, like, tube and snorted coke out of it. Right. Like, I. <laughs> I uh, oh, yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit big. But uh, the guy. Anyway, um, I said probably not for sure. That's like allegedly. Right. <laughs> um, just in case. maybe he sold it uh, after he rolled it. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so I, to some some black and brown people who are then going to be put in jail continue right well exactly right like d- d- we don't know if Doug's going to play by their playbook or not and so I, I I would be I would be salivating at the at the possibility of just getting in every single fucking hole that mm-hmm. their campaign makes and exploiting the fuck out of it and and it's one thing for social movements to do that and and I think that social movements who are on the ground or who are rooted in what is happening right now are the are the ones that can anticipate the next missteps and exploit them the best I don't think the NDP is in a position to do that mm-hmm. and I think that that's what the NDP needs to get to because like if you remember uh, Hudak talking about right to work and talking about firing 100,000 uh, public servants, those are two hilarious missteps that Labour very successfully organized around. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't remember how the NDP organized around it at all. I remember the OFL and I remember Labour organizing. And it was very effective because the majority of Conservative members opposed Hudak and his line. And it became a disaster for him. Uh, Ford is going to give a disaster moment every single week. The question is whether or not social movements, the NDP and labor are going to be able to seize on those moments effectively, or if they're going to be trying to chase the same uh, rainbows as uh, Ford is to try and pick off ridings. Like, I don't even know what the fuck, (laughs) like whatever conception the NDP has, who their membership is or who is going to vote for them in, in small town Ontario. Mm-hmm. And then, and so, uh, you know, that's what labor should do. So what should the NDP do? Well, if the NDP is uh, paying attention to what is going to make the conservatives successful, like obviously conservatives voted for Doug Ford uh, to some extent, like, as I say, Elliot won the, the popular vote, but the, the weighted voting delivered the election to Ford saying that they want someone who is uh, audacious, who is outside of the norm who is outrageous uh who looks i don't know like a a, a caricature maybe like <laughs> these are all these are all lessons for the left right it's like get caricatures. horvath 
Well, but they want so like Bernie Sanders is a caricature as well, right? Like the guy, <laughs> the guy is a is a perfect caricature in a lot of ways. Um, Horvath is not a very good caricature, and I don't think between now and June they can turn her into anything. Remember the whole high high heel shoe mm. fucking thing, like. You know, that didn't work very well. Although the pictures of her, like, pulling uh, pints uh, for Oktoberfest, where she really does look like she's working those that bar, I thought that was like, oh, that does, that's a nice picture. She looks really like she's in the middle of that, for real. Um, but they but the, but the they need to say, okay, <laughs> uh, new game. Uh, this is not a, a campaign of respectability. This is not a campaign of three women, like, debating for, like, you know, electoral supremacy. This is a campaign for life and death and if it's for life and death then the NDP has to offer its absolute best vision for life and that is not the vision that they have right now it is fucking definitely not the vision that they've had in the last elections mm-hmm. uh, that is a vision for free education that is a vision for pharmacare that is a vision for public auto insurance that is a vision for public housing that is a vision that undercuts the basic income kind of shit that the liberals are peddling with a very clear raise the rates, inject money, uh, housing first strategies uh, for people who are low income. Child care. Child care, right? Fuck, obviously child care. Like, uh, <laughs> and so, and, and I don't know, like listening to, to Horvath at the NDP convention in Ottawa, that was definitely not the vision that they were peddling. Um, it was a prevision, so it doesn't, I, I totally am very happy to be corrected and to be wrong and to be surprised by what the NDP puts forward. But the signals that they were giving out was definitely not that. It was that they were fighting a campaign against the liberals to just eke the liberals out. It's like the liberals have OHIP plus. The NDP is going to have fucking pharma hair plus. Like, (laughs) you got to do more than that. You got to go fucking balls to the wall. And if you can't cost out your platform, who fucking cares? Like, that's where we're at right now. <laughs> yeah. And I also think there's there's a, another couple of things that uh, the NDP should be aware of, which is uh, one or that we should be aware of as people who are concerned about that may be concerned, maybe not. I don't know about what the NDP does. <laughs> one is that in the last couple elections, it seemed as though their strategy was to try to grab onto votes from disillusioned liberal voters. Mm-hmm. At this point right now, with the Conservative Party in shambles, the Liberals are 110% going to be trying to eke out votes from disillusioned progressive conservative voters. Yeah. They will be good at this. This is Very. makes sense because they are center-right uh, most of the time and center-left when they want to appear to be center-left, but they're really only ever center-right. Um, the NDP is not going to be able to out-liberal the liberals. They are not going to have the same ability to eke out votes from the liberals because wishy-washy liberal voters are often going to end up voting for the progressive conservatives in their writings anyway. So the NDP has another choice, which is that they can do what uh, the conservatives have just decided uh, by, you know, this by electing this leader uh, is the way to go, which is to just go hard um, on the conservative, you know, grossness of being conservative. The liberals, the NDP has the ability to choose to do that. 
the last couple elections, it didn't really work trying to eke out the liberals. And the NDP is never going to out-liberal the liberals. I think that there's a lot of people out here who hold their noses and vote for the NDP. And then there's a lot of people out here who are just like, fuck it, I'm not going to deal with this. This is not a principled party that is going to be looking out for grassroots uh, movements or going to be looking out for um, poor folks or so on, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Give those people an ability to vote for you by just going the principled route. Don't try to mask yourselves as another liberal party. We don't need that. Nope. We don't need that another conservative party in the province of Ontario. That's not what nope. we need. No, and 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 Horvath has already made missteps on this, right? During the conservative leadership race, her message about being the least worst being the most organized, being the party that could organize a, a leadership race, being the party that's not going to get embroiled with Me Too, even though they did, and then Buddy Michael Bellagas got like fired and then rehired, or not fired, but put on leave because of his role with not acting on sexual assault in Manitoba when he was when he was with the NDP Manitoba government. Like, it, it's just so many missteps, and I don't understand. Like there are there are so many good NDP candidates getting nominated, mm-hmm. right? Suze Morrison just got it no- got nominated last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Jessica Bell. There's Joel Harden. There's Dolly Begum. Uh, folk- there's Dolly Begum. There's folks who I don't know because I've been out of the province too long mm-hmm. who seem cool. Mm-hmm. Who you probably do know. Uh, and so I don't know what the distance is between these folks and the center of the party who thinks that congratulating Ford fucking nation on their election was the right message. Right. It's like you you just can't do that. Like Ford nation just won the the control of the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party. it's like there is anger out there with Doug Ford. There is Christine Elliott didn't even put out that message that fucking Andrea Horvath did. Yes, yes. (laughs) Like, oh my God. Like, I don't know if uh, Mulrooney put out a statement, but she certainly didn't stay uh, long enough to be a part of like the press conference or, you know, shaking hands or anything like that. Only Tanya, only anal sex Tanya Granick (laughs) Allen did. So, you know, I, it just is so strange that yeah. the NDP thought that they would need need to. I hope that that like that maybe they thought that they had to do it. But I don't know why they would think that they have to do that. If Ooh. you were the concern, like, OK, like all I can think of is in my if I was the communications person of the NDP and my boss, Andrew Horvath, was like, hey, Nora, holy fuck, uh, Doug Ford just won. Uh, we need to put out a tweet. What do we say? Like, I just can't fucking imagine what mental process you have to develop the response congratulations to Ford Nation I look forward to fucking watching you destroy Ontario like (laughs) (laughs) yeah it would have been better to um to tweet a dumpster fire oh yeah or say nothing right like nothing actually would have been better than than congratulating him and that and that is that is a very I would have preferred the dumpster fire Oh, by that point last night, I would say dumpster fire. The the GIF was actually trending. <laughs> it was, I think. <laughs> so I like I there. There's obviously I don't know if it's individuals. I don't know if this is structural. I don't know if this is Andrea herself. I don't know if there's someone hiding under coats, like controlling the entire thing that no one knows about. Like, 
I don't know what it is, but it is a pattern and it is a pattern that goes so far back. Andrea was elected. Like, do you know, do you know when Andrea was elected as leader of the NDP? Uh, I can't remember. I heard this recently, so it's the only reason why I know. It was 2009. 2010? Oh, 2009. 2009. That was a good guess, eh? I said 2010. Mm. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I was like, who was before her? And then I was like, oh, God, that was a long time ago. Howard Hampton, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, I, my, you know, I'm not, I'm a betting person. I like to bet politically. Um, you and I were both wrong about the election results, although I like to oh, take yeah. comfort we in the fact that. Wrong. Yeah, but Elliot still got the popular vote, so I was still kind of right in a way. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> no, but but um, I, I don't want to bet that the NDP isn't going to be able to pull this off, but holy fuck, the signs are not looking good. My prediction... Oh, we're there. Uh, is that he will win. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, I made that prediction Whoa. yesterday. Um, but you know, I was so, so wrong with the conservative leadership race and I'm hoping that I'll be wrong with this too. But, uh, to me, again, the way that he wins is really important. The, the way that the conversations go on the ground is really important. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, right? um, that he wins at all. I just, if, if all things, you know, if the, if the vote were to happen today, I believe that he, he would win. But I strongly believe that we have the ability to change that eventuality in this province. I don't know what's a better eventuality to be like. No, I do know. I know that anything is better eventuality. But yeah. uh, however, like I, you know, it's like a hold your nose type of thing. But again, I think it is possible to change uh, what types of pressure the public is putting on the system mm-hmm. through organizing. So um I really do hope that people are going to be organizing in the next, in the coming weeks mm-hmm. uh, and organizing in a real way to, to shift, to be ready to shift conversations and be ready to um, control where the conversations are going during an election. Uh, but if, if the election were to happen tomorrow, I would say that he would win. Wow. Yeah, I would. Yeah. My my prediction is that the liberals are still a more unified and organized machine, and they're going to win a minority government. Uh huh. That's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a very soft prediction. I'd 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 change that prediction tomorrow if I if I felt like I needed to. But I I, I think that the only thing standing in the way between Doug Ford winning the premier is how hated he is in his own party, and um, how they were thrown into this. They clearly weren't ready for their own election like the own like figuring out the election results and um and at this point it really is anyone else it's anyone's election it's anyone else's election than the than the conservatives uh but the capacity for someone to shit the bed in ontario politics is something that you can never underestimate and hey you know as i've been saying basically this entire episode you know you can't underestimate the value of an organized grassroots base and let's not mm-hmm. forget how these these leadership campaigns go. They they sign up new people to the party, like their, their recruitment campaigns. So you sign up new people to the party, which ends up affecting um, the vote massively. And yep. the fact that I hate to say Ford Nation, I don't want to call them that. The the fact that <laughs> Ford's support Dougie F's supporters 
were um, more organized than uh, all the other folks to be able to get that vote win um, is a significant is significant. I like, will Mm -hmm. they be able to continue to organize uh, both within and outside the party to, to help uh, Doug Ford overcome a well-oiled, the well-oiled machine that the liberal party is Uh, who knows again, mine's also a soft prediction. I would also say that it's a, it's a minority government situation in my soft prediction as well. Um, You know, which if it is, if it does end up being a minority government, that does say something against strategic voting. But again, I'm already bored by mentioning the term. So, <laughs> yeah, who cares? 